welcome back to Watched Once Never Again, the podcast where we traumatize ourselves by watching disturbing movies so that you don't have to. My name is Dax, and Mary Beth has the week off. So I have brought on one of my fellow shorties in this world. Yo, respect. <laughs> um, <laughs> my friend... Bob. Just Bob. Hi. Yeah, that works. Um, Bob, you talk a lot. I do, do talk a lot. That's that's a that's a, a accurate assessment of my uh, general resting state, yes. Um, you know a lot of things. I try to. <laughs> it can be difficult sometimes. <laughs> um <laughs> so I brought you on because I mean we can get into it a little bit later but we first of all have known each other a long time at this point and this is true um, we both yeah and we both kind of um, come from similar but different backgrounds when it comes to music and I think that it'll be fun and we like the same kind of movies so this is true I'm actually really excited about this one. When you texted me about it, I was like, yes. I was like shaking in my seat. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, <laughs> so since you're not like, um, you're in the horror community, uh, but you're not necessarily like a horror content creator of any kind. Um, do you want to kind of casual observer tell a little yeah, do you want to um, kind of uh, give some background about yourself? Uh, yeah, I guess I'm, you know, I'm probably like your literal oldest friend in terms of actual age. Um, um, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Age is nothing but a number. Um, hmm. But, you know, uh, I've been a fan of horror movies for a long time. Um, I remember, you know, late nights in the 90s with some of my buddies watching like zombie for the first time um figuring out what i did and didn't like in horror um getting into like reading it and then you know you start down that that path on i guess the the proverbial iceberg which i'm sure you guys have talked about you need something just a little bit more each time uh, i haven't gone down some of the some of the paths you've gone down but I think uh, my big moment when Nor I was like, yep, you. I'm done. Oh, like I was just going to say, the, I knew I was done when I saw Cannibal Holocaust. I was like, yep, this is it. This is this is my limit. Mainly because of the, 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 the <laughs> real. That's a good limit. Not even the fake stuff. Like, I, I love yeah. the movie overall. I just think there are other movies with that are almost identical that just, they do what it's trying to do better. And, it, you know, I just, I don't need to subject myself to that. Like, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan. I eat meat and all that. But, like, I don't need to see it being made on screen. And that's how I feel about Cannibal Holocaust. It feels like there's just stuff that's unnecessary. Yeah. I it just mean-spirited, well, too. Yeah, it is very mean-spirited. It's hard to watch um, because of the animals. And... 
I don't want to go too far into my thoughts on it because I know we're eventually, unfortunately, going to have to cover that movie. Um, yeah. With you. Spoiler alert. It's, like, fine. Yeah. Like. Not to derail it from the movie we're actually going to be talking about, but, you know, in, just in background, I think uh, th- that's a good limit to have for myself. Uh, and then you mentioned, you know, music and stuff. I've played in bands for a while, so that's going to become pretty relevant in a little bit. Um, mostly no-name bands that just you get you you get used to the kind of thing where you're just we showed up at the place, eight people are here, we made six dollars, let's go home. I would say, I'd say, fuck God, is certainly a name. <laughs> oh, true, true. I didn't know I was going to name drop in this. Yeah, Fuck God was great. That was probably the best show I've ever played in my life. It was very good. I liked oh, it. That, I don't know if that... I was a fan. I don't know if that... I, I remember you were pretty much in the front row there. I actually I calmed down considerably when you showed up. Because I was real nervous. This was like a crowd of actually, people I didn't know. It's a genre I didn't normally play. Yes. So I was actually going to say I felt similar in that venue (laughs) to the venue in this movie. But we will get into that because we're going to definitely talk about some uh, shitty, sketchy venues that we've played. Oh, yeah. So Um, what what, what movie would this be? We're, We're dropping a lot of hints here. This movie is... One of my personal favorites, a movie that I would probably consider a perfect movie, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I, I I was very excited to watch it again, so it's kind of not in the spirit of the podcast, and I apologize. <laughs> no. This um, is definitely one of my, like... It's totally... I could watch it again and again, but we'll yeah, get to that. We, we kind of just say that you know, to say it, uh, to just, well, I think for some people, this might be, tone. yeah, yeah, I could, I think I for some people, this might this be like their times. movie. I've watched yeah. it several times over the yeah. course of, uh, the last year. Oh yeah. Wow. Uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for reasons that will become obvious. Um, it is now have, we haven't come to, we haven't even discussed this, but we haven't come to a consensus about how to say this director's name. So I'm going to say a little fancy and I hope it's right. Um, it is Jeremy Saunier's. We're going to go with that. Saunier. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. It's Saunier, I believe. I I watched a bunch of interviews preparing for this. Uh, He's one of my favorite directors. It's his 20, I guess, twenty technically 2015, released here in 2016, his film Green Room. Yeah. Starring just a whole bunch of great people. Um, of course, Anton Yelchin in, I think, his last role, um, unfortunately. Yeah, it was, it was either his last role or the role before. He might have had one he was supposed to start in. That one I didn't look up. Yeah, I, I 
that's another theme of this podcast. I'm not really going to look it up. Um, I'll just state a fact. I'll look some things up. I hope it's right. Some other familiar names in this movie. Imogen Poots. uh, Aaliyah Shawkat. And, of course, Patrick Stewart. As um, a very terrifying, like, ringleader of a bunch of Nazi skinheads. I think terrifying. Man, that's the. I always joke and call this uh, the Jaws for touring punk bands. Ah, that's such a good way to put it because that's so true. Now let's get into. I'm just gonna um, quickly read the plot, of course, from my best friend Wikipedia because why? I'm not gonna write that shit. That's why. Are you ready to hear about Green Room, Bob? I am ready to rehear about Green Room. <laughs> okay, well, let's start. It says, <clears throat> punk band The Ain't Rights, which I hate that name, but I understand why it's necessary. <laughs> um, punk band The Ain't Rights, Pat, Sam, Reese, Tiger are traveling the Pacific Northwest. After their gig is canceled, a radio host arranges a new show in a rural area outside Portland through his cousin, Daniel. Arriving at the venue, they realize it's a neo-Nazi skinhead bar and they're opening for a NSBM band, uh, Cow Catcher. I always want to say Cow Watcher. And, um, yeah, it does NSBM. feel like it should be Cow Watcher. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and NSBM, for those who may not know, um, is National Socialist Black Metal. So, um, AKA shitty and fascist. Um, they go, uh, they go ahead with the show anyway, managing to win over the skinheads. During their set, Pat notes two young women, Emily and Amber, looking disturbed and being shepherded out of sight. As the band is about to leave, Pat returns to the bar's green room to retrieve Sam's cell phone, where he stumbles upon Amber and the members of Cowcatcher standing over the body of Emily, who's been stabbed to death by Worm. Pat calls the police as he flees, but is caught, and bar employees Gabe and Big Justin capture the rest of the band and confine them in the green room with Amber. Gabe pays one young skinhead to stab another to create a cover story for the police who respond to Pat's call. He cons- he consults with the bar's owner, skinhead leader Darcy, who decides all witnesses need to be eliminated. He arranges for a cowcatcher to be gifted poisoned heroin while some skinheads assemble at the bar waiting until nightfall to kill the band in Amber. The band overpowers Big Justin and holds him hostage, taking his pistol and a box cutter from his pocket. They negotiate through the door with Darcy, who asks them to surrender the pistol. Pat agrees on the condition that they keep the bullets, but when he opens the door, the men attempt to force their way in while slashing at his arm. They manage to close the door, however, Pat loses the gun and is seriously injured. Big Justin attempts to break free, leading Reese to choke him unconscious. In response, Amber slashes his stomach open with the box cutter. The band tears tears up the floorboards and discovers a drug lab under the bar, but the only exit is locked from the outside. Arming themselves with improvised weapons, they attempt to fight their way out. Neo-Nazi Clark 
unleashes an attack dog, which kills Tiger. Amber and Pat drive, uh, drive the dog away with microphone feedback. Reese escapes through a window, only to be stabbed to death by Alan. Pat, Amber, and Sam retreat to the green room. Daniel arrives, and Darcy sends him, to, uh, sends him in to kill the remaining survivors, claiming they murdered Emily, his girlfriend. However, he instead talks to them, and Amber explains that Worm murdered Emily after discovering she and Daniel were planning to leave the skinhead life. Daniel agrees to help them escape, but as they venture back out into the bar, he is shot dead by the bartender. Pat kills the bartender, and the group takes a shotgun, only to find themselves confronted by the full skinhead force. <laughs> that sounded like Star Wars. Um... <laughs> Sam mortally wounds Clark's dog with the shotgun before it kills her and Amber is shot as she and Pat once again retreat to the green room with the sun rising soon Darcy has most of the skinheads disperse taking Clark and Alan with him to stage the band's deaths to make it look as if they were killed while trespassing on his property Gabe prepares to clean up the bar while Jonathan and Kyle are dispatched are dispatched with the dog to finish off Pat and Amber, who formulate a plan for a last stand. They again use microphone feedback to scare off the dog before Pat lures uh, Jonathan into the drug lab. As Kyle stands watch in the green room, Amber emerges from under the cushions of the couch and ambushes him, cutting his throat with the box cutter. Pat and Jonathan fight, and Amber sneaks up and shoots Jonathan in the head. Gabe enters the green room to find his companions dead and surrenders to Pat and Amber. Holding Gabe at gunpoint, they trek through the woods. As they near Darcy's house, Pat and Amber decide to go after him, while Gabe goes to a nearby farm to call the authorities. Pat and Amber kill Clark and Alan before confronting Darcy. Fleeing, Darcy pulls a revolver but is shot dead. Their ammunition and energy spent, Pat and Amber sit on the side of the road waiting for the police. The end. That is just exactly how it went. For once, usually perfect these execution. Are a little bit uh, wild. I mean, there's a. I mean, there's obviously gonna. They're gonna leave out some details. Like my favorite moment is is the ending when they're sitting there Tell and the dog from earlier. Shit. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's something. The, the 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 desert island band there's a lot of stuff in it like yeah. about being in a punk band or just <clears throat> being in a band in general mm -hmm. that i feel just rings really true in this movie mm. you know like there's always that one guy who's like when everyone's like yo what's your favorite band and everyone's like well i like discharge i like the misfits i like the sex pistols and then the one guy's like man i just really like neil diamond but i can't tell anybody that <laughs> Not me, I have no shame. <laughs> Talking heads. No, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Were you going to mention the scene with the dog when the dog comes back and lays down next to its dead owner? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they, they just, they pick up their guns and they're just like, they're spent and they're just like, click, click, click. And the dog's just like, nah, man, I'm done. I'm checking out. That makes me so sad. One of my notes, actually, that I wrote at that part was dogs are so good. <laughs> because, uh... 
Well, I, you know, I was, it's funny because I was thinking of you when I was watching, like, because uh, Clark's the dog handler for this for this Nazi group, mm. and I'm like, man, these are the good guys. Like, the, the the dogs didn't do anything wrong. They're just they're a product of their training, and like, there are some psychological roads you can go down that with some of the uh, the young Nazis in the in in the movie, but like, the dogs really don't have any ideology they're just there to make clark happy that's the only thing they care about and it just so happens that the thing that makes clark happy is them being vicious monsters so it's really hard to to like be mad about the dogs being vicious no i agree i i they're trained to do that and like you're right um i think that's actually Part of why the dogs are there, maybe, is to sort of reflect that they were just following orders. They're not actually bad. Um, but I do think the Nazi skinheads are bad. <laughs> I don't care if they're following orders, you know. So that was a, that was something I watched in an, I was watching an interview in preparation, and that was something that uh, Selnier was talking about. With he wanted to avoid going down the ideology path, where like you create monsters out of men, right? Like everyone in this, this is a human story. Every single person in this is a, there's nothing supernatural. There's nothing unrealistic that's happening. These are real people Mm -hmm. making real decisions. And I think the best, there are two lines, there's two lines of dialogue that just hit that really nail that home. Um, Gabe's being held at gunpoint. And he looks and he drops the mop and he says, I just want to go to jail. Because he's had the craziest night of his life trying to be the good Nazi soldier that he wants to be. Mm-hmm. But then seeing the, the, the fruit of that path, like the, that direction is going to lead him in. Right. And it's definitely hinted he might also be helping Daniel escape. But the other line is at the end. Um... When they're, where, the, where they confront Darcy in front of his house, Anton Yelchin looks at him and he says, you were so scary at night. I wrote that. And he's realizing, he's looking at this. Yeah, it's such a, it's, but it, it's such a good line because I think it kind of like brings home that like the, the, the real monsters are us, you know, like humans, like, like, mm-hmm. but then yeah, they're still human. So, like, I th- I think that, that that's something that could have gone terribly wrong if they had gone too far down the ideology path where it's, like, they're clearly defined, they have, they have specific goals, and then we can kind of dissociate. They're not, like, their actions aren't valid anymore. They're irrelevant. And I think the funniest part, like the, 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 the weirdest bit of information is that no one even dies for ideology at all. The only reason anyone is, is harming anyone is to cover up the drug smuggling ring that they have in the basement. Whoop, there it is. Even, even these, these uh, that, was, that was a note I had taken, was... Um, Basically, uh, he says Nazis are the low-hanging fruit of cinema villains because you don't have to do any work. You put up, you put up a Nazi, put a swastika on his face or his arm. You know he's the bad guy. 
Um, but then to, to, it's almost like a, like a twist to have it be like, this isn't Imperium. This isn't Daniel Radcliffe hunting down, uh, which Nazi is going to blow up the federal building. It's, Mm. these guys just run drugs. That's it. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, I know I said, I don't care that they were following orders. And to some extent I don't, and I can't because of, you know, my skin color, um, my, my status as like a transgender person, uh, or just like a queer person when I was younger, generally, like, you know what I mean? Um, there are some things where, you know, you can say, okay, they're targeting these disenfranchised young men and turning them into basically foot soldiers or, um, The thing is, they're not even, like, real Nazis most of the time because they don't even know what they're signing up for, really. Like, they just keep going along with all of it. Like, I think that they're probably racist to some extent, of course, but, like, I don't think necessarily that every single person that they recruit is already, like, Uh, harboring racism if that makes sense like i think that they just kind of go with it sometimes well that's that's kind of what i mean like that's why i think it's important to tell it as a human story like um imogen poot's character hints that she may have been assaulted at some point um and i think the comment she says is that they weren't white yeah so she has this bias already uh, there's a couple of moments, the two boys in the beginning, um, who, who do the, the cover stabbing, mm-hmm. you know, the cover story, um, they're young and naive. There, there's this, this man who, who lets them drink beer on his property right. and, and like, so they're like, yeah, this is, this is the life, you know, um, you have, you have the band Cowcatcher who, who gets free drugs. Like, that's why I think the ideology is so unimportant to the story like we know like like most people know and and i think that that when you have these um human characters you can see like like i said i I think i already said like like uh the worst monsters are human monsters Mm -hmm. you know so like i think it makes it more terrifying and I, i i'm not one that they would be targeting as a as a victim they'd be targeting me as like a recruit yeah and that's terrifying to me to the idea that like i'm one conversation i was one conversation away from you know being one of those kids in my life you know like when we think about not to get too real but like current events um you know how many people do you cross in the street that are like one conversation away, one bad interaction away from finding this group and just being willing to do the things that they do in that movie, all, all for the words of one guy who made them feel special. And that's what it is. They, that's, I mean, we can, we can get into a little bit of like skinhead and punk history, um, because I would say we are <laughs> pretty knowledgeable about it. Uh, uh, that's a fair um, assessment. So, I mean, basically what you said, that's how 
racist skinheads even came to be. Like, skinheads did not, for, for anybody who doesn't know, skinheads did not start out as racist at all. In fact, they were anti-racist. They started out um, in England. Like I feel like most people know this story, but just in case, um, they started out in 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 England or Europe over there, Britain. <laughs> They're synonyms, right? <laughs> the island <laughs> where my people are from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Britain, we'll say. They started out in Britain. Yeah. Um, and they were just like a bunch of people who were very pro-worker, um, proud of, of being, um, you know, working class. And they just sort of adopted a look. Um, I think it's a pretty popular look at how most of the skinheads actually in this movie are dressed like with the bomber jacket, the checkered shirt, the like checkered Fred Perry shirt, the um, rolled up jeans, Doc Martens, the laces, which um, we can talk about in a little bit. Um, And then basically Thatcher came and fucked everybody over and there was like a, like a depression or something. Uh, I don't know British history that well. No, you're doing you're doing great. Um, this is British history for for the common folk. Okay, um, yeah, and and she basically came and destroyed the country to some extent, and um, basically how every hate group um, comes to be. They were pissed, like they were pissed off, um, and. Uh, a number of those guys who were like pro working class became very nationalist um, and they just started targeting other like pissed off young guys for the most part um, who share the same ideology. Right. Yeah. And that's like, you know, we see it's, it's a tale as old as time, as they say, Um, especially with working class. Mm -hmm. Because that's that's such an interesting like it's such an interesting group to to target um, because it's like they're disenfranchised in a lot of ways, but they're really easy to manipulate into thinking it's the other disenfranchised people in your community who don't look like you, who don't believe the things you believe right. uh, that are the problem. Rather than the rich guy at the top, who, uh, <laughs> well, I'm getting on the soapbox. Don't, my don't bad. Get started because I will freak out. <laughs> but I agree. And, but yeah, you you get into this scary territory where like yeah, like I and like I said with the you know you're one conversation away, you're one bad day away, and and so like these these young kids who music was their escape, and then suddenly they're like, hey, you know what? That guy from the 1930s wasn't so bad, was he? I'm going to get clipped for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they start, like, because they, they, they leave out the bad stuff. You know, because, like, when they're trying to yeah. get you, it's like, it's, well, hey, man, it's, it's, about, it's about workers' rights. And if you're not getting a job, it's because that guy got a right. job. And what's different about that guy is the problem. Yep. And... You know, it, it, it doesn't require any thought at that point. It kind of becomes like a death cult because you get to this point where you're like, well, it's him or me at this point. Right. 
and they put so much fear into the into their minds that they're at risk that it they just that's there are psychological studies that still haven't figured this out like why this happens but it just it's 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 a thing and it's bad and this movie just has it plastered throughout yeah and again i want to reiterate like i know like uh what is it like boots and braces don't make a racist right i know that um and we can talk a little bit about it but uh yeah i just to reiterate so no skinheads get mad at me uh skin started out not racist in fact um they the skinhead movement was basically um pro jamaican immigrant because um well pro immigrant i guess probably in general but the skinhead movement was basically created around the the genre of music ska and reggae and um that was brought over from jamaica so uh the reason why like ska and reggae stuff is all checker print that's literally like their ideology about people like black and white mixed together like unity as one stand together you know as operation ivy would say it's also fun fact if you look up the uh on i believe your favorite site wikipedia on the uh what is it um skinheads against racial prejudice which is sharp um it'll talk about uh the anti-racist skinheads and uh bands like madness come in to play Mm -hmm. you know so there's like there's a lot of these bands that um we don't think of a skinhead we're so far because it was it's such a i mean it's such it's it's one of those things that once somebody takes the image i mean it's honestly it's no different than when the nazis stole the swastika and made it a symbol of hatred yes i wanted to talk about this actually go on so like i'm one of the things like i come from a working class family and so like i love like the good skinhead thing like i love the aesthetic um i don't like having hair generally speaking but i i i try to be careful about how i cut my hair because i don't want to present i don't want to have to give the diatribe of like well no you see back in the 1970s before the bad guys mm-hmm. got it we were we this was our thing they stole it like it's just easier to not have that conversation and um Oh, I'm off on a tangent here. Um, no, not at all. This but... is exactly what I want to talk about. Because I think you're getting to what I what I wanted to talk about, and my question would be why I'm and as an outsider, I guess it's easy for me to even say this, but why would you want to be a skinhead in 2021? In the image, like the two images of racist and non-racist skinheads are indiscernible you cannot tell them apart unless they tell you or are wearing something to indicate that they're not racist so like a a sharps like patch or a button like yeah the spart like the spartan helmet or something and even that's starting to get questionable with like like uh proud boys and stuff because of the eurocentrism right and and the reason i ask is because um a couple of years ago at this point um 
I was on uh, the best website and the least problematic website, um, Twitter. And um, I saw like a picture of a guy who was dressed like a skinhead. And in the background, I saw a button and it looked like it had a swastika on it. And I j- all I did was like I commented on it and I was like, uh, this guy looks like a Nazi. People flipped out because I didn't know him. And um, I basically accused him of being a Nazi. And if you super, super, super like um, zoomed in, you could see it was a crossed out um, swastika. And I couldn't see. Was that. I involved in this conversation? I don't know, possibly. And I was just like, uh, I'm brown. Like, I can't tell them apart. And I have to, unless you tell me, unless you're a black skinhead. Or you straight up tell me I am not racist. I am pro unity, right? I'm not going to know the difference. So I have to worry until you prove otherwise, because at this point in history, the look has been so co-opted by proud boys for the most part that you're like indiscernible. So I just don't understand if you don't want people to, I guess this is kind of victim blaming and I shouldn't even say it. Well, no, I can actually answer this question and I can answer it with the movie that we just, that we're, that we're talking about. So in the beginning, they're interviewing with the kid with the Mohawk, right? Yeah. And now if if we haven't described what the ain't rights look like, um, the ain't rights, you could, they look normal. You could, yeah, you could put them in Scott Pilgrim versus the world as sex, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. You know, they have normal haircuts. The drummer's a jock. Um, You know, like nobody has like big facial piercings or tattoos. They just, they, 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 they just look like indie kids for, for lack of a better term. Um, And there's even a point where, uh, where they think they're getting stiffed by the, uh, the, the Mohawk kid that, the jock drummer, who happens to have actually been a, a pro wrestling jock, um, you know, calls him a poser because he has the mohawk because he's wearing the costume. Um, I think that that the reason why you would want to adopt the uniform is that it makes you feel like a part of something. So, like, if you have a community, like, I wouldn't do it in where I grew up. I would have been the only person. You know, I would have been the only person in a bomber jacket and 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 uh, with combat boots and, and rolled up uh, pant legs. And I would have had the yellow, the, the yellow laces, uh, you know, which would have been the correct laces for, you know, a sharp to have. Yeah, that's that's um, um, the lace code. That's part of the lace code for anybody who is yeah. aware. So yellow laces, laces means you're not racist. Red laces, like in this movie, mean they... They're supposed to mean that you've like shed blood, basically in defense of whiteness. Um, I highly, do- <laughs> I highly doubt that every fucking idiot who wears them has done that. But continue. Um, but it, you know, it, it's it's one of those things when you, when you don't fit in, having a a uniform that signifies that, hey, I'm I'm part of this group. Um, it, it's great when you have a group of like-minded individuals that aren't a problem like when you're not 
when you're not destroying your community. If you see a bunch of skinheads and they're out in like, um, they're marching with people that are pushing for, you know, uh, uh, progress and not, you know, regression. Mm -hmm. Like, those people are part of a community. They've inserted themselves in, and, like, the community they're a part of doesn't need to decode that anymore. But I agree. I don't think... Um, it, this is one of those things where I, I have a problem where at some point you have to grow up as, a, as, a, as like, a, a fan of music, and you kind of reach a point where the uniform isn't as important as living the ideals correctly. So like if you're if you, you you know you've got your yellow laces, you've shaved your head, you've got the right brand of jeans, like sure that's going to get you a lot of cred with the with that group. But it's not going to get you a lot of cred with your community that you're a valued member of the community. That's, you know, mutual aid stuff. Like if you're going out and you're 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 actively trying to to um you know, fight racism or, 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 or sexism or homophobia or transphobia, you don't need the uniform. And you should probably not wear the uniform that's adjacent to the group that hates the groups that you're fighting for. Well, it's that. And also, like, even not on a psychological level, right? Like, take the fact that it's, like, belonging to a group out of it, right? Just logistically and, like like just logistically you would in order to prove that you're not racist to every stranger literally every stranger that you see on the street is probably going to assume that you're racist because the racist skinheads ruined it forever possibly you know yeah and then you have to do the most racist thing and actually pull out your marginalized group friend to prove it exactly so it's like you keep you have to explain it unless you're in context a contextual like circum like a situation where we can visibly see that you're not racist i.e a march right but you're not in a march every day so it's like literally like you're just i know that they don't like it's like oh i don't care what people think because they are still punks like (laughs) i know but um you should to some extent because do you know what the most punk thing is giving a shit well, yeah, I was going to say, making sure you're not making anyone else uncomfortable unless that person happens to have an ideology that makes other people feel less than. Yeah, it's like, I don't even know, like, I I don't want to speak for everyone else, but I know in my experience, does it make me uncomfortable? I don't know. But I'm going to side-eye you until I know the answer. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, every time you visited me during the pandemic after I, I cut my hair, you'd always side-eye me forgetting. And you've known me for years. Yeah, well, <laughs> in my defense, you also <laughs> love black metal and are obsessed with this like, is World true. War II and Nazis. Yeah, but it's because I hate I them know, so much. but, like, just in case, I'd <laughs> be like, um, is today no, it's the a, it's, listen, turns? It's a... like... but, but the, oh, man, now you're bringing that your one conversation away comment back on me. Oof. It's just, you know, I understand, like, I don't even care about the uniform. I'm, I'm part of the hardcore community. I'll probably wear Nikes in my grave. Like, it's fine. But like, yeah, and like camo shorts, I brought those back in the pandemic. I love, I love jorts myself. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, like I wish more people would stick with the costume. Like I would love to see like a six-year-old in like trip bondage pants. Like I would love that, you know. Oh um, man, that's a person I want to get to know. Like they have stories. They have lived. Yeah, and well, well then, I guess, then I guess, my statement uh, is true. You have stories. You have lived. I guess Al Jorgensen is probably the closest we'll get to that, right? Um, the singer of ministry. Oh yeah. Oof, man. Talk about wearing the uniform Good for him. I'm so happy for he, him. Goth cowboy for 40 years. It's like he walked so that Orville Peck could run, you know? True. True. Anyway, I'm not I, hating on people who choose to still be skinheads today. I understand you want to take back the ideology, blah, blah, blah. I understand that, and good for you. Like, I'm happy for you that you're not racist. It's just, like, you can't get mad at a brown person for not knowing unless you say, well, you know? Can I can I pose an alternative, right? Sure. So if we've decided, like, if, if society has decided for us, right, at large, that, that this uniform is on... Um, like the Southern Poverty Law Center's list of, you know, you done seen a hate crime if this is the uniform of the person. They did. They did. Um, um, didn't they put that on the list of things to look? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. that look is on. Um, maybe then it's time to adopt a symbol that's a little less hateful, right? So, like, let's say um, a great example is the Gadsden flag. That's the yellow "Don't Tread on Me" flag, mm-hmm. right? Now. That stands for some okay ideology. There's some problems with with America, obviously, but it's not the Confederate flag. Right. But but a subset of the population has taken that flag, and now they use it as a threat to people. So rather than fly that flag, why not fly the pride flag? Right. It's a lot more inclusive— and you don't have to explain yourself to people that, you know, that you don't have to explain yourself to people whose opinions actually matter. Well, yeah. Yeah, because if you don't want me to think you're racist, why are you flying that flag, right? If if you really are not, why are you not just including everybody? Like, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and that's... And besides, go, go goth. <laughs> just buy it, buy yourself an all-black suit, black tie, black dress shirt. Shave your head. Everyone will think you're a Satanist. Black shoes. It's much black easier. Tie, black hat, Cadillac. Yeah, the boys of Time Bomb. Um, <laughs> I just <laughs> that just happened. I, I guess I'm with you. Like I just <laughs> I don't understand why. Why not just go mod? Even like you know, like I know you know there's people like the skinheads don't want to look mod or be mod whatever but like that's the same ideology the same scene the same music but way less uh you know racially charged uniform or do the more punk thing like the ain't rights and just look normal wear your favorite band t-shirt and a pair of regular pants yeah i i don't know it's like i'm not against that scene like i don't want the scene to die obviously i think the skinheads are i mean one of the one of the most important uh 
you know, influences on the punk scene, of course. Well, I also think that, like, you know, when you when you look at the shows, when you look at the bands that represent the scene, they don't wear the uniform the way that the fans do. Not at like, all. there's 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 a distinction between, um, you know, the fan and and the band, and I don't think. I think we should be taking more of an influence from the bands and a lot of them, you know, they either grew their hair out when it became a problem. Like when they started getting mistaken yes. for the wrong sort of exactly. crowd. So if the bands are like making that effort to be like, rather than just, you know, starting every show, like, Hey guys, funny thing about the way that I look, you might think that I'm this, but you know, now just don't, don't do the hate symbol. It's just yeah, easy. which is literally having no hair. <laughs> like, it's so easy now, to uh, have hair. In defense of in in defense of a shaved head, I don't think. Um, oh no, it's not. I I just I happen to like the way I look with a shaved head. But like I said, I do try to be careful about how shaved it is. Um, I've because I've had people stop me before. I I one summer in, out of high school, I shaved my head like right down all the way um you know bicked it as they would say um and i had started a job that summer and i remember i started growing my hair out again um just because like it was the summer i was just doing it for the summer because it was the thing i wanted to do that summer and i remember when i started growing my hair out uh one of the guys i worked with was like hey man i thought you were a skinhead for the longest time and i was terrified of you he was terrified of you I know, five foot three me, friendly and smiley all the yeah, time. Yeah, it's not even the five foot three part. It's just the friendly and smiley all the time part. And that was the thing. I'd had plenty of conversations with this man. Was but... he white? Uh, yeah. Well, that's probably why he wasn't that but scared. He... Well, I mean, it, it made him nervous to discuss anything sure. with me. Um, but it, but like you know, it's still like that's a. That's not a message I meant to send. Right. And, you know, there are a lot of things I that, like, I didn't wear any of the other things that would have, like, fit the uniform. Um, but, like, you know, it's, it's – we have to be responsible whenever we go out in public, especially, like, if we're part of a subculture because um, whether we like it or not, the subculture speaks for us before we speak for ourselves. Absolutely. You know, like how many, how many, um, how many bands do we hear about have some sort of terrible thing happen, whether it be like, uh, they're groomers or, or they have secret racist feelings about things or like, you know, they mistreat other people for whatever reason. And now if you wear that shirt, people are going to think things about you. And so I think it's 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 interesting that um, you know that that like because again going back to the movie they wear the uniform so that we know they're the bad guys like he didn't have to get into the ideology right like the uh, uh, Tad the the Mohawk kid from the beginning he's like they're they're right wing well they're actually left wing but they're really right they're so far left they're right wing and like 
doesn't get into what they believe in other than they don't burn crosses at their uh, events. Um, I think the only other mention of any kind of ideology is uh, Darcy, when he clears the club out, um, says, you know, we've got our, our um, racial awareness seminar or something like that, which doesn't even get into, like, what they actually believe. So something in our culture has gotten to the point where when we see the bomber jacket, the jeans, the, the braces, and, and, and the shoes, we know that's a Nazi. Though, in fairness, there are so many, like, flags and stickers around, like, the venue and on their cars and stuff, on their faces even, uh, the tattoos, that, like, you can't mistake them. Like, there's the, um... Oh, yeah. There's the... You, the, like, Christian flag, I think, like, with the weird, like, cross in it. Uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's the, um, it looks like a bullseye, yes. but we're like kind of swastika. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's just that the one, white pride. Symbol. Yeah. Right. 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 And there, there are of course swastikas around the SS symbol you can see. So the images yeah. tell us more than, than like, because the, again, the images are so ingrained culturally at this point that like, we can't separate them from the ideology. We don't have to know, you know, what subset of of white supremacy they fall under you know yeah. like <laughs> there these is, are the bad guys there is a, a white pride worldwide sticker in the uh actual green room i did notice that this time <laughs> i you know the, i remember uh when i was reading the the wikipedia thing i didn't even notice um the the two girls like in the crowd and I saw that in the theater, and I didn't notice them in the crowd. I, I, it took me six years to notice that they were actually in the crowd at some point. Amber and um, Amber and Emily, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, he basically watches them, I want to say, in, like, slow-mo. Yeah, it's when um, the, the, the scene switches to be, like, a visualization of his interview answer for what music right. is. Which is, I, from a cinematic standpoint, that's just, it's, they just played Nazi punks fuck off to a bunch of Nazis, and they're winning the crowd back, which, I don't know why you, oy, <laughs> such a problem. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if I could ever, like, willingly, no matter how much money I needed to get home, I don't know if I could, like, w- even contemplate playing a show at a place like that. Not unless, like... I had a like a youth crew with me. Yeah, I I do. You know find that like that was interesting. I I don't know what I would do. I mean, in fairness, they're all the way across the country, like the furthest point from where they originated from. I think they're from like around D.C., right? Yeah, uh, Arlington. Yeah, and they have no and they're money. they're right, and they're outside of Portland, birthplace of the Proud Boys. Right. Which is an interesting thing that it takes place in Portland or in Oregon in general, because I think a lot of people, um, little historical fact about Portland, they had a whites only thing in their constitution. Yep. And a lot of people don't know that. No, I think people think um, when they think of Portland, they only think of Portlandia. Like they only think of hipsters and like crusties and 
you know, nice, nice people and like cleanliness. That's what I think of like clean air. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. They don't think it's it's uh, oof. But then what happens when you have a bunch of uh, white flight going out west, all going into the same area, going, our neighborhood's really nice. Everything's really clean here. Oh, it's the place we left that's the problem. Right. You know, completely ignoring systemic issues that have, you know, shifted generational wealth from one group to another. Like, I, that's a whole road has, that's neither here nor there for the movie. <laughs> yeah. I guess this was a long-winded way of saying that we appreciate that there are um, many different types of dress, like, styles of punks in this movie. Uh, we were kind of getting there. But, yeah, I... I, uh... I, I think we, we had some stuff we had to get out. Yeah. Like, we had to, we had to process some stuff this week for this movie. Yeah. And the and funny thing is, like... More. like I know for, yeah, yeah. For some people, I know that the um, the Nazi imagery and the and the racism would be the thing that's like that's. I don't want to subject myself to that, even for a movie that's for entertainment, where Nazis do end up getting you know, brutally murdered back. Not um, all of them, though. But no, not all of them. That's the thing, because most of them get away. Only the the tried and true, true blue Nazis, uh, and even then, it's not even all of them. Um. Yeah, worm, but worm uh, survives. Yeah, who started it? Yeah, all. and that's the other thing. Like, like we forget that. Like, we don't even know why he killed her. Like, the I think the Wikipedia article says that it's because he found out somebody was leaving, but he never mentions that to Darcy. Am- Amber says it, and that becomes a plot point later. Amber says it? Yeah, Amber, when Daniel shows up, um, and Daniel's like, who did yeah. this? Amber says, worm, he found out she was leaving, but he didn't oh. find out it was with you. Got it. That's Okay, that's the part I missed. The action starts as soon as the movie starts. Like, I mean, you know, you wake, they wake up in a van, and then they're just on the go ever since then. So there's no really, there's no downtime really. And, but I think that speaks to my thing about like the mundanity of evil thing that I was really like noticing. It's like the whole reason they get trapped in the green room is like a throwaway line. It's not as important as the threat of, of life or death, um, which is interesting because like, apparently this is part of the uh, – it's an unofficial trilogy – Referred to as the Clusterfuck Trilogy. Yes. Which I think is pretty interesting. Yes. Um, is So Blue Ruin obviously is in that. And then Murder Party. Murder Party, right. There. And you know what's funny is... Um, I don't know where I heard this. This might not be true, but I think it is. Uh, so Macon Blair is in this movie... Um, he is a friend of the director Jeremy Saunier. We're going with right, um, and I guess they're like childhood friends. Maybe they had uh, worked on. I think they worked on Murder Party together. Didn't it? Didn't really go well. 
uh, they, like, they didn't make any money. They made blue, uh, or did they, like, I, th- I feel like they were going to stop making movies after Blue Ruin. Um, but Blue Ruin did well that... enough that they were like, ah, oh, fuck it. We'll go ahead and do Green Room, right? Yeah, that, that sounds pretty accurate. Because, like, they've been, um, yeah, they were they were childhood friends. And they, they have, like, uh, a whole series of, uh, like, Dawson's Creek style, like, home movies that they made. I think they were called Mega Cop or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I um I can't imagine these two not making films. Like Megan Blair is I feel like I feel like most people obviously focus on Anton Yelchin and Image and Poots. They get the most screen time. They are absolutely great. I and of course people focus on Patrick Stewart, of course. He's also really great in this movie. But Megan Blair, there's something about him in this one like he doesn't get as much screen time but his face is just so interesting to me his eyes i think he emotes the best he does the look on his face when he says i just want to go to jail like he's so done he looks like yeah he's like i i have seen too much shit i like you know i i have cleaned too much blood i am done this is i am out and it does seem like he was trying to help Daniel at some point because I think yeah. he was aware that Daniel was leaving. Yeah. So I think he was hoping that uh, he'd be able to turn state's witness once Daniel um, left. Yeah. Because that's that's like I said, there's there's a lot of subtext and like subplots um, that aren't important. And I think one of the one of the movie's strengths is like it feels more real because there's no villain or monster or 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 psychiatrist that's chasing the monster giving us why all of this is happening yeah, it doesn't really explain anything it it shows everything that you need to know but it's not going to explain it to you you either pick it up in the moment or you figure it out later which i love i i yeah. love any movie like that i'm a big proponent of a show don't tell cuz it's a fucking movie and i'm here to watch it <laughs> like you know what i mean Oh, well, and that's and and that comes up with uh, the gore. You know, like if if we're going to talk about it in terms of like why this might be a bit much for some people, um, you and I saw it together. If I remember correctly, I can't remember if if we all went as as a group or if this was one that like uh, before we started going to like horror movies as a group together that you like we went to. Yeah, I think I I can't remember. I know I saw it a couple times. So I'm only remembering one time and I was not with you, but I, I feel like I did first see it with you and like, you know, our, our group, we have a little movie. Yeah. Club. Cause I gasped. There's like 10 minutes of that movie that I, I dread watching. Me too. Absolutely. And that 10 minutes every time gets me like it makes my stomach. I bleed. actually had to look and away. It, last night because i knew it was coming and i had just eaten <laughs> i was like i know what it looks like i don't need to see it again but i accidentally turned back at uh his hand for a second i was like no nope, yeah nope, mistake i i gasped out loud in the theater with the hand and like i i've seen yeah i've seen dozens of horror like well thousands of horror movies it feels like and like there's not there hasn't been like a scene that like is as visceral and um <clears throat> 
there's not really there's not really like background music or, or, or sound effects to tell us what's happening. It just happens. Um, there's like the there, there's I think there's a study out where like um, somebody like re-edited um, fight scenes, but without like the 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 like cinematic crack and pop that we're so used mm-hmm. to, and people found them uncomfortable. Like they didn't find them hokey. They found them like like unsettling when they used more realistic fight sounds because it's like, oh no, no, ew, no. And that's the vibe I get. There's no like tearing like you would hear from Freddy's claws or something. It's it's Anton Yelchin screaming. Yeah, just screaming bloody murder. And crying. And at and that like, part you can't even see what's happening. He so he sticks his hand out of the door to like give the gun over but uh, of course they kept the bullets which is like come on <laughs> um cartridges so, so sorry you're right <laughs> i love that they uh <laughs> he's like freaking out and he, he's like that's actually the bullets that's actually a, uh, that's actually a, a an important thing i wanted to bring up because like um it, the juxtaposition yes. of this this band that like just they're having a bad day they don't know what's going on and these like militant organized nazis who are like they're 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 so into it they're they're like they're not bullets they're cartridges yeah get it right loser i know yeah and it's yeah when you watch it it's like the juxtaposition also of like the two types of punks not the two types because of course there's all that gray area in the middle but the two extremes where it's like the leftists who have now become more gun savvy, but historically lefty punks, they were like progressive and anti-gun. So they wouldn't know anything about guns. And in fact, they're all like, I don't want to hold it. I don't want to hold it, you know? Um, And then, you know, the right wing punks, um, which we could talk about, but yeah, they're, uh, they're so pro gun that they're like, they know like everything. they're so anti-establishment they've established an establishment they follow very strict rules Look, that's how anti-establishment they are i have that written down too because i'm like <laughs> i'm like these they, like they target well whatever anyway he sticks he sticks his hand out to give the gun over amber of course is looking out uh of the bottom of the door she sees that there's another guy next to darcy and Oh, the tension that uh, builds up when you see the boots yeah. through the slats of the door. It's just like, oh, yeah. God, no. Because up until this point, Darcy is, um, I, I guess you could say, like, diplomatic, maybe. like Diplomatic and reasonable. So reasonable. Like, that's, that's what makes him so terrifying. Almost friendly. Like, listen. Almost. And, like, a stickler for, like, hey, we're just going to do this the right way, you know, like, because he's, he's very, very strict about fire codes. Yeah. Which they do point out earlier. I I have to say something about this because I like just from a band experience, the fact that like the Nazis took the time to remove the band gear from from the green room, uh, like I have never played a place where the staff at the place we were playing helped in any oh other God. way than here's the door go through Dude, here i know the only thing if i saw my stuff in the hallway yeah. at a club i'd be like oh shit something's about to go down yeah i guess that that's what i was gonna say the only reason they did that was just to get them the fuck out of there 
so that they didn't see the dead body. But that made me laugh, too, because I'm like, they, they would not fucking help. No one helps. Unless there was a body they were trying Dude, to hide. the band doesn't even help. Like, <laughs> like, it's every man and woman and person for themselves when you're in a band. Like, you bring your own shit. I mean, I'm nice, so I help, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, usually guitar players carry guitar player stuff, bass players carry bass player stuff, drummers carry drum stuff, and nobody helps. Nobody helps. You can't. No time. <laughs> um, oh, to, uh, God damn it. Sorry, I got we sidetracked. We both do that. Um, so he sticks his fucking hand out of the door, and uh, Amber tells him, keep the gun, keep the gun. She like starts yelling it. He tries to pull his arm back, and all you see is him. He he can't pull his arm back, and he's just uh, screaming. Like, um, Pat, he just starts screaming. Bl- like, bloody murder. It's like, bl- like blood-curdling screams. Um, it's it's some of the finest, like, like pain screams I've ever uh, seen. Yeah, it's it's horrible, actually. It's really hard to hear. And then when he finally pulls his arm back in, it has been mangled by a machete. And it is just barely hanging on. It's so, so gross. Like, that's one of the... I, I can't do hand stuff. Like, that was weird. I can't, um, in movies, like, degloving and stuff. Like, Yeah, no, that's, I, I get, I get, it's squeaky I, is, uh, even is the, the word, word I think of. Even, even yeah. the word deglove. Like, who made it up? I hate that. Well, because it, it, it draws up the image. Draws up the image. The funny thing is, like, that shocked me. The thing I wasn't prepared for, we're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to uh, do a little therapy on me here for a second. Mm. Um, when they have Big Justin and they're trying to knock him oh my out God. and Amber grabs the, and she cuts up his stomach, <clears throat> that takes me back to like fourth grade when I saw RoboCop 2 for the first time. And it's a very <laughs> similar scene. They have, like, uh, one of the cops is an informant for the uh, the drug dealers in the movie. And they have this young boy who's, like, in charge of the drug dealer gang. And he takes a scalpel and he does the same thing up the guy's stomach. But it's not as visceral. But it just, I hear it and see it. And it just takes me back to this moment when I'm seeing a movie with a, with a scene I probably wasn't, like, mentally prepared for. Yeah. And so, like, this whole ten minutes, it's like, one, I wasn't ready to, to watch, you know, a hand dangle on by a tendon and then somebody get opened up like a Christmas turkey. It's so gross. That is truly... And the way that she does it is almost like he, like unzipping a zipper. And yeah. And that makes it worse <laughs> somehow. Well, I think... This is like the 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 realism factor, like like the fact that there's no like there's no like gen 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 music in the background to tell us that something's happening. Yeah. It's it's the yelling and the screaming, like oh is he out? Is he out? How will we know? How will we know? You know, like there's no sound effect. It just happens. Yeah. Um, Ugh. but then on the other hand, like when somebody dies, we're not like given that um um. 
gratuitous like close up of the light leaving their eyes. Right. You know, like like we when Tiger is uh taken out by the dog, like we just see like a shadowy lump as he's screaming. There's a couple of shots, but like you don't see like the damage in his throat that you see when Pat has his, you know, dangly moment. I was actually going to say the and, throat scene is really gross. It's a, I think it's a lot because it's like an animal doing it. It's it was grosser to me this time than I remembered it. Like of course whenever I think of this movie I think of the dangly arm because how can you not that's like it's so <laughs> What? It's so disgusting. It's so grotesque and disturbing that it's perfect. And like, it's such good effects. I want to know how they did yes. it. But I want to see it, like, without any without any dye, without any paint, without any uh, fake blood, just so that I can know that it was fake. Like, I want to do... going to bring back Hannibal Holocaust. Uh, <laughs> I want to have a trial where they show how that effect was done so that I can know for sure that it was fake. The effects in this movie are so good. It's it that this is why the movie is so disturbing. Usually I would ask that, you know, either at the beginning or the end, but it is so gory, but not throughout. It's just when it's gory, it's really gory. So I, I think of like one of the other, like there's a gory scene I can think of that is, it's some of the best effects I've ever seen, but it doesn't have the same effect on me. In fact, it kind of makes me giggle. Uh, in George Romero's Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. um, when Dr. Frankenstein, as they have called him, is uh, in his lab and he's got one of the zombies on his table, but it like breaks free of one of its um, restraints, it sits up and the intestines fall to the floor. And it looks like, you know, the person is 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 basically the, the their corpse is being you know, spilling out all of its guts looks really realistic. Like it looks the way that I imagine it would actually look, but it does not have the same effect because you have that cartoony splattery effect going on in the background. Mm -hmm. So it's like, ah, this is clearly an effect. The way that it happens, the way that it's presented. All right. So (laughs) as you were saying, (laughs) um, so I before we had some technical issues, I was I was talking about um, the difference in like the the way like movies like Dawn of the Dead that have gr- grotesque gore don't really um, hold a candle to the way that like Green Room presents it. Like it's it feels more in your face, even though it's not as um, obvious it's kind of like how people think texas chainsaw massacre is like the most bloody film ever filmed but there's like maybe a ketchup packet's worth of blood in it yeah that's actually so funny that you say that because earlier today i was thinking about you know how the how these two are so alike but then you know of course like i said when this one gets gory it just gets so gory yeah when when it takes you to that place it takes you to that place for sure um something i have written down that i thought might be fun to talk about is um okay so you, you already touched on the fact that you are a little bit older than me i think i think 10 years maybe i'm about roughly to be, 
Yeah, I'm about to be 30 um, in October. And I just turned 40 this year. Yeah, so you're just about 10 years older. Um, So I also mentioned earlier that we both sort of come from a similar punk scene, but we went in different directions. So, of course, I mean, I feel like I talk about this a lot. I veered more towards hardcore and like like hardcore punk. Um, And then you are sort of more like... Sad boy emo. It's okay. You can say it. I was going to say pop punk, but... Also uh, accurate. (laughs) um, But... All that's to say, you probably did you go to shows like in the 90s? I went to a few. Um, I guess you're gonna ask me if I saw any of the 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 Nazi stuff. Well, I was just gonna ask how big of a problem was it at that time? Because I like well, I I'll I guess I'll go through my experience yeah. after, but you go ahead. Um, so I never witnessed um the Nazi punks like that, that GQ article I sent you um, with like interviews. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll give you a, it's barely an interview. Basically they talked to like Keith Morris, Henry Rollins. um, Oh, I did read that. I'm sorry. Yeah. And they basically are just like telling how from like 1981 to about 1991, it was a problem. Right. But by the time, like I would have been starting going shows to two shows, um the nazis weren't showing up anymore um but i did play a show in um salem new jersey um god probably 20 years ago and um it was a it was a punk against racism that was the whole goal like this kid wanted to have like different kinds of music, ska, hardcore, uh, hip hop. Like he just wanted everything and um, very explicitly pointing out that like, it's not just about music. It's about hanging out and um, uh, having a safe space for uh, people to just kind of like, you know, not be racist. Mm hmm. Um, and in Salem County, this meant like the four or five kids that um, probably wouldn't have gone to a punk show in like Collingswood did go because it was like something to do other than like run through a cornfield. Um, well, soy field, <laughs> actually. Um, and so we're playing this show. And uh, it's the weird thing about local bands like when you're you might not be big in your hometown but you might find a place where like for some reason you do better and salem county was kind of like our place like we played a couple of shows down in the salem county uh, like pennsville salem area Mm. and didn't have a problem before you know they were pretty multicultural pretty chill events except this one time this 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 punk against racism show and um my friend justin was there and um actually this is gonna make me cry a little bit because he passed away recently sorry (laughs) oh no i'm sorry no it's okay it's actually this is this is this is a good story uh it's a it's a bad story that has a good ending um justin happens to happened to be black and he was like 
our, our uh, fifth member of our band. He was at my house every time we had band practice. He knew the words to all the songs that we had written, and we weren't that great of a band. Like this kid was just, he was a part of us. And um, the, the show's atmosphere is very laid back. Like the mom was bringing out lemonade. Like it was just, everyone was having a great time. Justin finds a bike and he's riding this bike around because nobody was like, nobody was telling anybody what to do. It was just a nice time. And, you know, it's, it's a little BMX bike. He's riding it around. And we see this, this pickup truck drive by. And I see the biggest Confederate flag I have ever seen on a vehicle in the state of New Jersey. So that's pretty damn big. Yeah. And so I'm like, ah, shit. I know it's about to happen. So I walk out of the, the, we're playing in this airplane hangar. That was the other cool thing about the show is uh, we're on a farm in an airplane hangar, like a little small, like, like propeller plane, airplane hangar, but still, you know, the round dome, like totally awesome. Um, so I walk out this truck, I could hear it peel because it, it hit the brakes, turned around and it pulled back in. And I walk up to this guy. I'm like, oh, hey, uh, what are you doing here, man? I don't think this is the place for you. And he points to my friend, Justin, and I've never heard like. I've never personally heard like something like the N word said. Hatefully like like this to my face and um at this point the airplane hangar starting to f- empty out the music stops it's quiet and all these punks start pouring out and i, I and another friend of ours was with us my buddy jim's little brother <laughs> this kid was nuts gets in front of the truck and he vertical leaps onto the hood of this truck this guy's now surrounded by children keep in mind we are children we're like all under the age of like 18 and i say to this guy i'm like hey man you got two options either you don't leave here and you have a bad time or you leave and forget you ever saw this place you don't know this place exists you didn't see anything and i promise you I'm not going to let him do anything to you, but those are your two options because I can't control that kid up there. And my friend's little brother ripped his shirt off Hulk Hogan style. And he's like literally frothing at the mouth. Like all I had to do was say the word and he would have like, I don't know, killed this guy. It was intense, but like the thing I didn't want to happen was you know to have this moment this beautiful thing that was happening all day like because like we're playing this show there's a thunderstorm in the distance that we could see that was like adding this beautiful ambience like it was a perfect day and it's ruined by this one moment and like i had to face it head on and like there's that there, it, it just i when i see those guys in green room you know saying we're gonna play nazi punks fuck off and they're like they I get that feeling, you know, where you're like, we're going to, we're going to confront it. We're going to face it. And like, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything to risk, you know, like it, 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 I was upset because, you know, I just happened to be the guy to talk to the guy mm-hmm. and like, so, so, but again, like 
the thought of like, fortunately, my friend Justin, he doesn't know what's going on at all. So like in this beautiful moment of ignorance, after everything's done, he comes up, he's like, hey, man, what happened? And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It just but like the fact that there are people out there. And I think that's what makes like what makes Green Room so viscerally like why I consider it the jaws of punk rock. Like I think about like I've had friends that played in the South. I've had friends that have played uh, in the Midwest, on the East, on the West Coast even. And like (laughs) they have worse stories than I do. And I consider that to be pretty tense for me. Like that's more confrontation that I'm willing to get involved in. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't. I'm not, I wasn't always a good person. I didn't always have a clear understanding of like the importance of, of being an advocate when, you know, like basically being the white shield against racism, like using my privilege to like, you know, defend people who maybe in a situation can't. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, this is one of those moments where I feel like I did the right thing. But like, I don't know, like that, that event would have gone very differently with the, with like me today. I might've pulled the guy out of his truck today, you know, like, yeah, yeah, now you more understand that to be being anti-racist is not the same as not being racist. Right. Like this was me being not racist. I wasn't right. being anti-racist, but like I learned a lot in I think that you moment. Were. I think that's a good example of being anti-racist because you did use, you know, your privilege, so to speak. Your white when he privilege. saw my blonde hair and baby blue eyes, you know, he was yeah. like, "Oh, I can talk to you." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I'm the guy you want to talk to, buddy." But yeah, exactly. Like you used your white privilege to protect and um you know defend your your friend who who you know could I'm just so glad if, that he didn't know about it until yeah. after like I'm glad for him it's an anecdote that I told not like like cuz god forbid like it could have been like he he could have died <laughs> yeah he could have been kidnapped who knows like like I I just cuz like I said we were all in the hangar listening to music and he was out riding bikes with some people. Like if 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 he was just riding bikes by himself, uh, the bike by himself, what could have happened? You know, right? If if like if some of the 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 kids from that scene didn't kind of like weirdly look up to me as like some kind of a leader and get me, what would have happened? You know, there there have been a couple of times where I've like people have looked to me to handle a situation, and it's always weird because I'm always like. You, well, you know me, so you know I'm like, yeah, I'm a leader. But then, like, when it actually comes time to, like, yo, we need something to not happen or we need something to happen, and, like, everyone looks at me, I'm just like, oh, fuck, what do I do? I had a, <laughs> a couple weekends ago, actually, I had a similar situation happen. I was with some friends for a birthday party, and a buddy of mine saw um, this convertible go, go by that had like, uh, the, like some kind of MAGA thing, like some dumb bullshit and like some misogynistic, like, like women are supposed to whip them out on Wednesdays or some like just what? gross disgust. What yeah, does that even just, mean? Their boobs. Yeah. But why, why on a Wednesday? 
I don't know because guys are weird and dumb. Um, and like, this is okay. Now we'd been drinking all day. So like my friend peels off screaming at this, this car. We don't know how many people are in this car. They have tinted windows. He starts, he peels off on foot in, in, um, I think it was Glassboro. Clarified. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, and, was your friend drunk driving? Because now I hate that. No, 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 no. Okay. He, he was on foot. And again, everyone looks at me and they're like, yo, he's going to die. You got to go get him. I was like, what? what? <laughs> and like, we're in this parking garage. He's looking for this car screaming, like, I'm going to find you and hurt you. And I'm like, bro, we don't know how many people are in that car the this is not the time or the place we are not on our home turf this is not a situation we're going to win or that i can guarantee that we'll win and as much as i would like to get into a scrap like the risk is too high and like it it, it's so it's like it's it's i know that 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 like that's like that tension in green room like we're like they don't know the risks going into it and so, like, they don't know what's about to happen or what those people are doing. Like, they didn't – that could have just been, you know, a Nazi bar, not, not, not a Nazi bar hiding a drug ring. So, like, the fact that, like, they're on edge for most of the, most of the early parts of, of them arriving. Like, you know, there's the scene they show up and they see all the guys with the, with, with the, with the, um, the regalia walking around being Nazis. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, God. And then, you know, Pat has the guys that have a dumb idea. And then yeah. he's like, right at the last minute, he's like, I don't want to do this. And then um, <laughs> uh, Aaliyah Shawkat's character is like, we do it or I tell him you're Jewish. And like, it's this moment of like defiance that they think is going to be playful. And like, they're going to be able to go home and and like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you can't punch every Nazi, even if you even if you want to. Like you really have to know that um, you you're you're going to have the upper hand, because I don't want to be in green room as much as I love the movie. I don't want to be in that movie, and like it sucks because I also at the same time the minute I have that thought I'm like, but I have the privilege to like choose to not be in that movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. It is different now like so i as a brown person have obviously encountered racism um people you know calling me shit usually um not too much violence but being in like the punk scene you know especially i mean you know this but (laughs) some people may not it's a, a bit embarrassing but i was in a ska band for a while you know skinheads show up i mean they were all claiming to be uh not racist so i kind of have to take their word for it um i for a fact know that some of them were um now but back then you know i just kind of had to let it go and no one really bothered me at my shows um but you know back then well i so just going to shows i have seen racist but it was usually 
the racists got beat up um because especially in the hardcore community like you will lose your life like if you go to usually if you go to a hardcore show and especially like you know certain venues that's the whole reason youth crews exist yes and 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 i i won't go too far into it um but you know of course there are certain venues um affiliated with certain crews uh I don't want to make it difficult to go. No, I don't want to name any crews because I just don't want to, I don't even want to deal with it. We don't need the smoke, but yeah, like I just don't want to deal with it because I just don't, but, um, but a major tenant of those crews is anti-racism. And like, if you show up to a show in one of their venues and you even hint that you're like a little bit intolerant towards another race. Like you, you could legitimately like lose your life and, and it has at happened. the very least have a really bad time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I have seen, uh, you know, at, I can't even remember. I've been to so many shows, but I, I can think of at least one skinhead that, uh, you know, <laughs> got beat up. Um, and back then, you know, this is what the early, to, the the early to mid two thousands is like around when I was most active going to all those types of shows. Yeah. Um. But, you know, back then I didn't have shit to lose. I would have just dropped anything to get in a fight, and I had, you know, I I, I was doing that. Um just because I was like an angry child. <laughs> but, um, you know, now, now is more difficult, right? Because they are coming to the shows, but you don't know that they are fascists. And I'm not necessarily talking about skinheads. I mean, like, um, well, they they Trump did the whole yeah they did the whole rebranding thing yeah now they look like hipsters a lot of the time um, that's, and, that's the reason I don't get that haircut well yeah like yeah. I I shave my head now because now the haircut is the is the hipster haircut so I'm just like I don't want to be associated with that yeah and um they are coming to the shows but you just can't tell who they are anymore because they hide you know, in plain sight, but they are hiding and it's hard to tell who's who because now they just look like anyone, you know, they used to, you know, dress in the bomber jacket and everything, you know, um, I think like the humanizing factor, like by leaving out them spouting ideology or, or, or like, like known hate dialogue, you know, like, like, like buzzwords and dog whistles in the movie is so effective because like, at least we still have the look, but then again, like there are some people in that crowd that like could have been at any of our shows that we've played over the years. Um, and, and I think that's kind of like the, the, you know, that's a really tense thing to think about. Like um, I remember uh, this isn't racism related. It's more misogyny, but uh, I went and saw jawbreaker 
um, at the electric factory. And, um, you know, you would think, oh, it's Jawbreaker. They're relatively like okay with women. Jawbreaker doesn't really have any song that's like, um, you know, women are the reason that I'm sad. Like they're definitely like man pain. Like it's definitely a man pain band, but they're not like um, women are the reason that men have pain. It's more like, like lyrics that point out how like, oh, this is the thing I did wrong. I see now, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And they had war on women open. And interesting. I, I love my, one of my favorite things at a punk show is to feel uncomfortable in a good way. And, and like, so like bands like against me and war on women make me uncomfortable because they make me confront like, my it's like a therapy thing it's like they're making me they're making me face any like present or past uh uh uh, phobic feeling i've ever had whether it was like uh uh, like overt or or like in trend like like built in like you know like hidden like either i know what you mean yeah and so bob is not a misogynist or a transphobe But you get what I'd be like. There's some I do know microaggressions type they're, stuff. Yeah, they're making you confront your own privilege that you've always right. had. Yes, and I so understand. watching watching um, War on Women and and uh, Shauna is talking about like you know all of these things that men do and like some of their songs are like they are unpleasant to confront at, at, at just you feel some things you start reevaluating relationships you've had with women in the past. Like mm-hmm. I really, it was a, it was a, it was a moment. And, um, and I remember in front of me, there's this normal looking dude, a little drunk, but then somebody whispers. And again, this is that thing. Like, I don't know why people come to me, but they do. Um, for some reason, some stranger in the crowd says, hey, can you help this guy? He's kind of like touching the young girls in the front row. What the fuck? Yeah. Like he was like, and it was like that, like that, like, him. oh, sorry, I bumped into you kind of thing. Right. So I'm like, fuck, what do I, what do I do? So this is where I used, uh, you know, scary looking punk uniforms to my advantage. I found these two like like six foot tall guys like these guys were just goliaths of uh, just massive studs and and battle vests patches i'm like i did not expect to see you guys at the jawbreaker show but thank you for being here uh they were there for moral women yeah exactly (laughs) and so i tell them i'm like guys here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna grab them i'm gonna pull them into where the pit is and y'all are gonna we're gonna give him to security Right. We're just we're going to get this guy out of here, you know, and so um, we do that like we just as a unit, we we like just descend on this guy. We lift him up and uh, we give him to the bouncer and I, I pull the bouncer. Over. I was like, yo, this guy. And I, I managed I like I saw the two uh, the two girls. That this guy was kind of like being creepy to. And I was like, this guy is getting weird with those girls right there. He needs to go. And what I didn't tell them is I stole the guy's shoes. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the part that no one understood. It's like, I'm going to take his shoes. And then I was like, why? Well, you weirdo. Why? It's like, you'll see. Because that's the thing you can't replace when you're in the middle of Philadelphia on a, on a like a chilly fall night after like, you know, 
being a weird creeper on 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 young women like you now have to walk through the city of philadelphia without shoes and explain that to someone like i don't know where my shoes went um but like you know it's like it's it's to kind of like juxtapose against that earlier thing where we're talking about the uniform being like a negative on the other hand it can be a positive so it's like it's it's really hard and i think that like we have to actively and vigilantly keep these people out of our scenes. Otherwise we end up in a situation where, um, you know, we're in green room, too many of them show up and now we can't be safe. Not even like, not even me who normally in pretty much everyday life is safe, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that, you know, we, we, we need to start being vigilant about that. I don't even know why this is just, it's a weird story that I think about sometimes. So that is a moment where that's worth it to just drop that guy. What I was saying before is like, I, it's not worth it to, for me anyway, um, to even fight with someone who might or might not be racist in some way. Oh, absolutely. Because it's become so like more about guns rather than you know, fighting and and not that, you know, I, I don't want to be fighting anymore anyway, because like I go to therapy and, and that's why I, I steal shoes. Yeah. You don't need, I don't need to be doing that. Um, but, um, about, you know, confronting these people in the scene and, and getting rid of them. And I swear we will get back to the movie, but, um, the, my thing is like i've been to recent shows right like i one of the last shows i went to um was uh i think january no it was whatever it was either end of 2019 or early 2020 obviously oh the before time the long long ago yeah before covid um one of the last shows i went to was just uh, an amazing lineup it was knocked loose rotting out uh uh stick to your guns and candy or no um see you space cowboy um and maybe candy was there too anyway um so during stick to your guns i don't know if you listen to them um but for anybody who doesn't they're a hardcore band they're i would say um sort of almost metalcore like they they have some um some melodic uh you know components but i think they're pretty firmly like in the hardcore scene especially because of their um you know their ethos which is you know stick to your guns stick to your morals be progressive and proactive you know uh and they they were just you know giving a sort of speech about, um, you know, the danger of Trump's America and, you know, how basically how Trump is like a fascist and like how that's bad. And like um, people, the same people in the scene who are so like, they, they just talk the talk, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll fuck up a racist there. They seem everybody. It was like, you could hear a pin drop in there. Cause everyone was uncomfortable. It was like me and like um, my friend 
my friend Brittany, who immediately got her arm broken in the pit, as, like literally the second that knocked loose started. But anyway, um, we were we were like clapping and like cheering. It, it was just so uncomfortable to be there, and I'm like, why the fuck don't you people like care? Like you, all of these bands are not only progressive, but they are very like outspoken about being progressive and about like doing something the whole fucking point of hardcore is like you need to do something you need to do it for yourself and your like community around you you know and like to see all these people feel uncomfortable because someone said like racism is bad actually i was so mad which isn't really that controversial of a it's statement. not yeah, so why are you so uncomfortable? And and you know, they they were talking about Trump and you know, they're talking about like uh how we need to get Trump out of office. Like why are you uncomfortable? This is what what first of all, the fucking band is called Stick to Your Guns. <laughs> like you know what I mean? This like, is what the Dead Kennedys were training us for. Oh my god. Just it just, it drives me insane. So all that's to say, I don't I I think that there is a rising, like, um, you know, demographic so I, of people in the scene who are willing and and want to drive these people out. But there's a really big portion of the scene still that is, like, scared of even, like, you know, being controversial. And I'm like, are we in the punk scene or no? So I, I think one of the one of the problems that comes up um when we're talking about like, it, it, I'm going to go back to the thing I said earlier, like uh, as a white person, I feel like we're never more than one conversation away from slipping down a very bad road. You know, I, I, I've known there's some people I know, um, you know, from growing up that like, I knew them in high school. They didn't seem like they would be that kind of a person. And now, uh, you know, something happened to them or, you know, they didn't get that job because of whatever, you know, secret thing is happening. Um, and like, they're a different person now. And so like, we need to be like, you know, <laughs> vigilant, you know, we have to stick to our guns. And it's, I think, you know, what do you, how do you, how do you address it? Because a lot of people like, um, I remember there's, there's a, this is a little bit lighter, um, in tone. I remember in high school as like the only punk in my high school or like one of the few, I remember when people, when like we would talk about music and the music we liked, I had a couple of friends that'd be like, I like energy music. And I didn't know what that meant. And they meant they liked music that made them, um, that, that they could, they could move a certain way to, it didn't matter if it was Rob Zombie or The Clash or 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 Madonna. If they could move to it while doing a workout, that was their that was their jam. And I think for some people, um, if they get into a genre with um, maybe a less obvious political leaning, not to call out Green Day, but Green Day, pre-American Idiot. Um, not exactly like the bastion of political ideolo ideology. I mean, you had anti-flag, which probably would have yeah. been a more 
you know, a more clear at political the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if your favorite band is in that same category of like, well, we care about like, you know, drinking and stuff. And then you find a band that's like adjacent and like, maybe they have one or two songs. that's very obviously orange man bad, but then most of their songs aren't that. And then they start making you confront yourself. It's uncomfortable for them. And so like, and I'm not saying that they, that they should be allowed to feel this way. What I mean is like, it's one thing to feel uncomfortable because you're, you're willing to move, you're willing to progress forward, you know? Um, Which is why, like, I think of like bands that make me uncomfortable in the best way. Again, I'll, I, war on women and against me they they talk about things that i don't experience issues that i don't face and they're so in your face and raw about it that i feel like i can get a window into what that feeling is like as the song is playing to borrow from the movie you know i feel part of something and then i can reflect on it later privately and you know hopefully most people that hear these songs do become better people you know they do apply that into their life but then some people it's like because i mean i said it like what three times already against me you want to talk about a band that lost fans over bullshit especially by a crew of people who should have been behind them the entire fucking time Mm -hmm. you know you talk about a band like the politics were always good the songs were always just amazing and the minute it changed to something that didn't resonate with straight cis white men, it's like, oh no, this isn't my band anymore. And it's like, yeah. no, that they're they're the same band. They're probably better now, you know, like because it's like, yeah, they're 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 uh, was it Dan Ozzy said it? They're 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 dangerous again. You know, they're, they're challenging the status quo. They've made me change as a person in a short period of time. There's a lot of things that about like that. I didn't understand that because, you know, they, they, they're out there doing their thing that I'm like, Oh, I was an idiot. I will, I will amend myself (laughs) and be better. You were, but it's okay. You came around. You, you you gotta learn and be better you can't Our you first can't do meeting didn't go very well <laughs> no i'm a <laughs> i'm sorry That's but hey again i only held on to it for 10 years it's fine waiting for this very moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i it's like i agree of course it's just I can't imagine going to a show with a band called Stick to Your Guns, a tra- another band with a trans woman as the lead singer, and another band with like a, a Mexican like uh, I, I don't like guy from like a Mexican immigrant family as the lead singer, and being like, "Oh, I <laughs> I thought everyone was on my side." Like, what? I mean, look at the look at the people who who will sing some of those who work forces the same that burn crosses oh. while wearing a uh, 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 blue lives matter shirt oh bitch we will discuss <laughs> after did i strike a nerve <laughs> you absolutely did and i cannot talk about it while recording but i understand i understand yes. yeah i i don't know 
but there's um, that's the thing there's always going to be a right wing element but like we have to keep pushing and they're I, fucking I, stupid I'm sorry to interrupt but they're right wing because they think they're left wing and that is I know I've said this before but like they're so left wing that they come around to being right wing and it it especially in the punk scene there's like a growing populace of people like that it's driving me insane well it's so easy to like again to bring it back to the movie you've got these disaffected youth right like they want to fit in and dude it's not even that though well but but what i'm saying is is that they want to they're so non-conformist that they're conforming to the to the will of this older man and I, I think the, the the most telling moment is when he gives them the money, they stab each other. He takes Actually, it back. This is a, yeah, and he takes it back and he says insurance. They're not getting that money. They don't care what happens to that kid. They got no. what they wanted out of him. Yeah. No, what is driving me insane, I think a lot of it is like a backlash to like quote unquote woke culture and being pc like a lot of punks don't like that and it's like a, a lot do of course i mean hello we're here but there's like, a there's, I feel like there's so, a world of difference between like you know being against the grain and being an asshole well a lot of them don't care about yeah. being the asshole and they're they think you know we as people who for instance, respect people's pronouns. Um, they think we're the assholes because we're like conforming or whatever. Like we're, you know, letting people tell us what to do. I'm like, do you not realize like when you eventually like get around to just being a full blown, like alt-right person, you're there for letting people tell you what to do. Like, I, I don't, I, it just drives I'll me. say it. I'm going to say it. There's no name more- and name. I'm uh, not naming names. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing there is nothing more punk rock than respecting someone's norms in the most defiant way. Because you're 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 assaulting language and and like heteronormative like gender expectation. And that's 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 that's, that's fucking punk rock. I don't care. Respect pronouns. Yeah. That's punk. You know what's that's not it. punk rock to me? Um just being apathetic, not giving a fuck about anyone or anything, being like super nihilistic like everything's stupid why did you try why why respect people's pronouns like uh you know don't let people tell you how to think uh because by respecting people's pronouns that's apparently what you're doing that's not punk to me and you can fuck off with it if you're one of those people just fuck off because i don't like you (laughs) Yeah, I've this is not the podcast for you definitely (laughs) yeah i I mean i've grown up with so many people who turned out to be like that because you know they thought they were you know being free thinkers and they turned out to just be assholes and i've just cut them off i have i have no time for you you know that's one of those areas a couple of my friends get frustrated because I will argue on various social media sites with people I've known in the past who have gone down that path and I will argue with them at length and everyone's like won't you be eat- won't you be happier if you don't do that and I'd be like yeah except I won't be able to sleep at night because like I'm the only person that can say that to them I'm yeah, the only that's person that's fair so it's I like if to. I don't 
But the thing is, it's not your job. Yeah, so, I just like, don't want like, to. Like, I feel like I've done enough. Like, I have enough to worry about. I, I've honestly, I feel like I did my time with arguing with people because, like, I mean, you knew me ten years ago. I'm very different now. You know, I'm not gonna. I'll probably just be like, "Oh, you're stupid," and let it go. And then you're right. Like, it isn't my job. You know, you can you can go ahead and do that. <laughs> Like I said, it, it's definitely led to like to some some sweaty evenings where I'm like, oh man, I gotta argue this point again. Um, but then again, like I get to I get to you know walk around without yeah. you know looking over my shoulder constantly. So like it's it's for lack of a better phrase, like it's the least I can do is, know, is to try and educate. Yeah, because it's like I shut the computer and then I'm still you know, a Mexican person and I got to deal with it. Like I never get away from it. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And besides, you know, you know, worst case scenario, you just call me and I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember that? Uh, Wait, what, what, what what are you? You were having a bad day at work on a Saturday and you said they're here again. And I got in my car and I drove over and they were gone. Oh yeah. Oh fuck them. They they don't bother me. They're just they just surround me and scream pray at me. As if like I'm Yeah, scared. but how funny would it I would it have been if I'd shown up all dressed in black with my satanic bible? I know. I do wish that I could have seen that. I was but there I'm glad too. that you I'm glad that you didn't do that cuz that would have probably got me in a lot of trouble. It probably would have been worse long term, which is what I thought about on my way home, but like you know, I'm I I get to make those dumb decisions, you know. And I think that's the interesting thing about like the fact that, for the most part, the ain't rights are an, like an, a mostly white band. So like they get to do some of this. That they get to make that dumb decision to sing Nazi punks fuck off at a Nazi bar. Like you change yeah. one character in that to a POC, mm-hmm. and oof, yeah, that movie they, gets they're not real heavy real fast. Yeah. yeah. Although they they didn't leave with their lives, but the, that's they for would, different reasons. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have needed to witness a murder for that to get right violent. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> I have a note here about a- after this note, we will finish up talking about the movie, and we will. Oh yeah, because this will go on for hours if we're not careful. Yeah. Um. This note that I have. Um. When I was watching the movie. Um, the part, of course, where they start playing Nazi punks fuck off um, to the Nazis reminded me of, I mean, this was not a racist crowd, but it reminded me of when I played that show um, <laughs> in, in my ska band, when I played that show at, uh, with all the hardcore bands and it was like Parkway Drive and um Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the Ghost Inside and the Warriors. It was like a bunch of like legit hardcore bands. And then, you know, we opened the show because, I mean, long story short, we were doing um, a favor for uh, one of the promoters of the venue. So he reached out and was like, hey, our opener like dropped. Can you open like tomorrow or whatever? And we were like, "Uh, yeah, we can. And we went out and 
um, we started with like, um, it honestly was disrespectful, like, but it was funny in the moment. We started with a like um, a hardcore version of like a ska song. So like like or uh, like a ska song with like a hardcore twist to it, like breakdowns. Um, uh, and I can't like it was like imagine a breakdown in a hardcore song. So doom 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 doom, you know. Uh, yeah, and just add horns into it. That's what we did. And it was disrespectful. I'm not going to lie. But um, it was because we were just like, oh, they're like so serious. You know what I mean? Um, and of course, they got really mad. And uh, they immediately turned on us. We couldn't win them back over. I mean, our, our band wasn't that great, but it was fun. Um, but it, it just wasn't the right lineup at all. But they were really mad. And even when we went into the crowd, people were like pissed, you know, that we were there. That this this um movie always makes me think of that moment because I mean, again, they, they weren't like, you know, racist people or anything that I know of. Um, they were just mad because like we basically made fun of them for being very serious hardcore people. I mean, real talk, there's nothing harder than trying to win a crowd over. Like it that's was, probably the most yeah. unrealistic thing in the movie. Besides like the 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 house taking the equipment out of the green room, it's that the fact that they won the crowd over after like, yeah, pissing like immediately. Them yeah. And um I will say the um singer, I want to say his name is Vigil, maybe. Um, he's the singer of the ghost inside. He came out, you know, when his band started and was like, Hey, like, you know, we all started uh in punk and that was punk as fuck that a ska band came out here and played for you guys and like stopped giving them shit and like basically like went off about it and i always thought that was really cool but <laughs> i mean if that, that makes was... me think there's a meme i always think of that i just thought of because of this there's like a, there's like a for your consideration list a bunch of genres and like the world is broken yada 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 and somebody adds and this this is perfect for Scott, it's maybe the world is broken, but I've got a fucking trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> getting back to the fucking movie, I actually, you know, the part I didn't even want to talk about this, but you know, the part where um they finally like name their desert island bands, and Amber is like Madonna and slayer um that makes me laugh one because that's basically what my like phone like playlist like my music on my phone sounds like when i get in the car it goes for <laughs> like you know uh i don't know what's a metal i've been on band? car rides with you i know yeah like behemoth to like britney spears next song yeah you'll go from like like toxic to like like i don't know mastodon or something which is oh i love mastodon yes um <laughs> <laughs> uh but that made me think i don't want to get in trouble but i'll risk it sire has a lot of nazi imagery in their stuff and so i don't know if they do it on purpose that's been 
that is a long running question. Like that was a question when Dude, I was a, a kid. To me. Well, no, because like there's going to be people that are listening that'll be like, Slayer's not a Nazi band. They use that for the edginess because like uh, Darby Crash wore a swastika. That is true. But they, but well, they yeah, said there, it there out was loud. a time period. Sorry. Yeah. There's like a lag. Um, the early punk scene, like Susie Sue, Darby Crash, all them, they said out loud that they were doing it to shock people. Slayer right. will, won't ever comment on it. Right. And that and that that's the thing. Like it's one thing um to 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 use imagery in a shocking way. Like I'm not a big fan of like like shock for shock's sake um that's why i've kind of always gravitated towards like the jawbreakers of the world you know those kind of bands that are just kind of like more introspective and thoughtful in terms of like interpersonal things and like not like more thoughtful just like like poetic um because sometimes to me um i feel like it's hard to do subtle and th- oh this was a note i had because like we, we we went and saw the purge together this weekend and like i feel like this movie addresses a lot of the same issues but with a subtlety that if you're if 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 you're not paying attention like you might miss i guess like but then it's also more in your face than the purge like the purge is so heavy-handed with uh, its ideology that you almost end up in a scenario where like you could be the kind of person who's like, yo, I love the purge. I'm also going to the MAGA march tomorrow because you, you're you on the side of the purgers. Yeah. And, and I think like at least with this, even though they've humanized the Nazis a little bit to like where you kind of care that some of the characters have like grown or like you you can sympathize briefly in certain moments um it's it, it, it's clear who the bad guys are you know and it, it's it's i think there's a problem with 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 that kind of like shock thing where like you run the risk of being controversial and the point you were trying to make gets lost in translation and so like you start to see you start to see those images and go oh well <laughs> you didn't say it but then they'll they'll just be able it's, this is uh, actually part of the problem with the alt right pipeline um it starts out as a joke you know because as long as you can say oh I was only kidding i don't actually believe that you know you'll you'll alleviate the tension with your immediate friends who might not agree but then you'll signal to the people who are out there to harm people that you think those jokes are funny please send me more kind of thing and it's it's an uncomfortable area to be in so i, th- I th- it's it's that's why i think i i think that by humanizing the, the 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 bad characters the way they did is they're not monolithic monsters that have to be defeated they were just so much scarier at night true but I thought it was interesting that Amber chose them because, uh, you know, she does have that moment where she says, I'm not a Nazi. And then for me, it trailed off, but um, it sounds like she 
you mentioned that she talks about being maybe assaulted by someone um, who wasn't white. And um, I thought that was interesting because her ideology is very vague because she helps them the entire time. Um, and, and in fact, they would have died much sooner without her. Uh, she's the one who kills Big Justin. She's the one who tells um, Pat that there's other skinheads next to Darcy out just outside the door um, waiting with a machete. She she's the one who helps Pat um, in the end. Like the she's reason... the one who wants to hear his his pep talk. Yeah, and the pep talk is the thing that gives him the idea that ultimately wins the day. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and and she also has a good little not a pep talk, but he's like, I can't die here with you, and she's like, so don't. I love that. Yeah. Um, but my I, favorite I is still from the preview when she lights the lighter. Uh, no. Every time. Uh, I had to I watched all three previews just as preparation. I I don't remember the preview, but I love I the cinematography. Well, uh, anyway, hold on. The reason that I think it's interesting that she chose Slayer is because Slayer is vague about their imagery, which is Nazi imagery. Uh, I don't know if that was on purpose, um, but it is something. Well, I know that I know that um, Sonia was trying to avoid uh, monetizing any overtly racist band. Like he he was trying to be very careful uh, about how they portrayed yeah. the. So he the... wasn't like they listen to Screwdriver, right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was I, waiting for somebody to yell, not the first album, though. Uh, uh, mm, no, not <laughs> not to me. Don't say it to me. I, 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 that's a joke about that band is a lot of people will say the first album racist as like some excuse that it's OK to listen to, to that album, but, you know, disavow the rest of them. It's like, right. no, you write one Nazi album. Doesn't matter if it's your last album. You're probably a Nazi the whole time. For sure. Anyway, um, yeah, the the cinematography in this movie is a little on the nose because it is so green, um, and in Blue Ruin it's so blue. So I think that's just a style, and I don't care because I love it. Um, the cinematography in this movie is, I think, perfect. It's claustrophobic. It is. Yeah, that I'm, scene with um, Amber holding the lighter and she says, you know, because to just for context, the, the power goes out um, for a few minutes and uh, they the band inside the green room, they start like scrambling because they can't see Big Justin anymore. So they don't know what he's doing. And, um, you know, the the drummer the jujitsu guy he has them like in a headlock i think this is beef this is before the headlock so he's sitting in the chair he's just turned out his pockets right 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 you're right yeah so she basically lights you know a cigarette and says watch the cigarette if it moves in a way you don't like just kill him just shoot him that's pure that's the other thing i think of when i think of this movie the arm first (laughs) Then that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the arm again. 
but then yeah no like like i love the dialogue absolutely like everything like i said it, the 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 reason why i think this movie feels so visceral is because the dialogue is so real yeah it just seems it's so natural it's yeah like, it's not no one's uh uh no one's like jumping out of a tv going get ready for your close-up and then slamming their heads into a tv it's like it'll all be over soon and then just kind of like a mile like a light quip from darcy afterwards like there's no there's no dialogue that's going to make it like you're in a movie no you're watching conversations happen it's it's it feels almost like a documentary more than a a a, a, a movie to some extent yeah and maybe that's because of our history you know with consuming the music but also playing it but yeah if, it. if you have some experience in the scene wh- whether that's just as a fan or not it might feel more like a documentary and i think that um the director does have like some attachments to the punk scene but i, I don't really know what they are but i, I want to say that he's a, at least a fan oh for sure um i know that uh i know that he was in some hardcore bands and back when he like he's they're like five or six years older than me i think that's the other thing they're closer to my experience so i think some of the elements are a little outdated for 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 younger band experiences um just because like scenes come and go um like uh there's a there's a guy i know who used to do shows in uh vineland um they were kind of like the big deal shows if you were playing his shows you were probably one of the bigger bands and he's come and gone a couple of different times based on whatever's going on in his life um but there were people before him and there's always like downtime in between like when a scene is happening so i think it it feels weird um when you're watching like a no-name band in this universe play for a, like at least a hundred people it seems like um so it feels a little unreal until it doesn't i guess yeah. you know because like i played some shows where like it was us and the bands i i've yeah yeah that um places scene. where like oh sorry there was a lag go ahead no you're good i was just i was just gonna rattle on about the same thing yeah it, the this movie is triggering to me in that in that scene where the band is playing that matinee show in the like oh god i guess it's like a mexican restaurant and there's ta- no yeah, one there taco place yeah oh god i don't i don't miss that that's the thing i, th- I think it, th- this movie's triggering for like three different reasons one the gore is 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 visceral and real uh two if you're in a if you've ever been in a band that's played in front of four people and you're like, man, I really would like to play in front of people. And you're like, maybe we play at Nazi bar because then you'd be playing in front of people. But obviously we learned what, what happens in that situation. And then obviously like the, the overt hatred racism, well, more, it's more covert because like they don't get into the ideology. It's not like we see um, any of the Nazis before the the event so right. it's like it's not like we're out in portland watching them in the background beating up uh uh people and then we see them later at the bar um it's more like because like that's 
kind of a thing you see in the purge like you'll definitely see like some people like like staring people down that's like i'm gonna kill you later this yeah. it's like you just show up and you're on their home turf there are no outsiders there except for the band so like that cluster building up on that claustrophobia again you got the, the they're locked in that room for a good portion of the movie if they're not in the room they're in the the bar itself they're surrounded there's just and then they're in the middle of nowhere outside of Portland. So like the only thing around is trees. Yeah. Yeah. And some uh, of the shots thinking, are beautiful. Like, like yeah. when they're just driving and like, yeah, no, um, I agree. Yeah. The, the claustrophobia in this movie is like crazy down to the, the trees surrounding the entire venue to the point where you're like, how do they even find that? Um, he sends them, and I guess they just have a really good uh, map app that doesn't get them lost. Can't relate. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I some of the shows I played, I had, had to like map quest it and then like find it. I was the GPS, you know, like we didn't have a GPS directing us. Yeah. I think the only time I've ever felt like I didn't belong at the venue was I was playing up in North Jersey and it just... It wasn't a place for a bunch of young white punks to just show up. We weren't a part of the community and we were seen as like maybe rabble rousers, like maybe oh. we'd be a problem. Um, so like it was a little uncomfortable at first, but once we were inside the venue, it was fine. But like that tension when you're walking in somewhere and you're like, I don't know if I should be here. That that's a vibe I understood in the movie, but for different reasons. Yeah. Just slightly. Is there anything else about green room that you wanted to talk about? Well, probably Um, anything important, nothing that nothing that's going to like add to anything we are, we haven't already talked about. Like I hit all of my points. Like I, I, I was not intending to get this heavy into like the societal implications of like what green room is talking about. Oh, I was. Um, but damn, like, whew, I'm kind of sweaty. <laughs> I, I knew we would have, I knew we would have to because. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can't talk about. I just didn't know which direction. Scene without it like i have yeah. to talk about it um was this episode an excuse for us to talk about music i think so yeah probably um, but i feel like we touched on you know why this movie is so disturbing and and you know it's i all think the, it's all the subtext yeah like it, it's the parts yes. it's the stuff that isn't over like i said i keep talking about like they didn't point out the ideologies it's all that subtext that makes you have to confront why were these people so willing to 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 kill for for this bar why were these um why does this place exist why was it so nonchalant for for things to happen and you know why didn't the cops go into the bar you know well exactly that's yeah um, that's what I'm going to say is like, I feel like we even touched on why it's disturbing in ways that people may not have thought of when they were watching it, but looking back are like, oh, that is weird. 
or unsettling or whatever, you know? Yeah, I think it it, it takes you places you didn't want to go when you're reflecting on it, like, hours or weeks or even months later. Like, you're watching something else. You see Richard Spencer on, like, a news thing doing some Nazi bullshit, and you're like, huh. And it makes you think about Green Room in a different way. You know, or like, like I said, for me, it's a lot of times it's, it's thinking about what led to that place existing and those people being so willing to be vicious killers. Yeah, I, I feel like we covered everything that I wanted to talk about. So that is our episode on Green Room or, you know, more specifically, our episode on punk music featuring the movie Green Room. Um <laughs> Make sure you follow our podcast on Twitter. That's at Wona Podcast. Uh, that's at W-O-N-A Podcast. Uh, follow Mary Beth. Uh, may she rest in peace. Just kidding. She's coming back probably next week. Um, at MB McAndrews. I'm at Daxi Bobbin. Check the show notes for how it's spelled. And Bob, where can you be found? Or where do you want to be found? As Scam Goddess says. Uh, I am generally found at Bob Needs Coffee on various platforms. Um, I only have 15 followers on Twitter, so. It's true. I think it might be 13. Oh, you might be right. I didn't want to be on the nose with the whole like, ooh, 13, spooky. <laughs> so please follow Bob. He is very cool. He does talk a lot, um, but that's what we love him for. Oh, see, now I'm blushing. Don't let it go to your head. Yeah, so thanks for listening to our episode. Next week, I have no idea what we're doing. If Mary Beth is back, we will continue with our Catherine Briott series. If she's not back, I guess it'll be just a fun surprise for all the rest of us. I guess all that is to say, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, fuck off. Bye.